Good morning. Uh, the scripture for today is uh, Psalm 24. You can read along on page 465 of your Bible. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Silah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, Lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Selah. This is the word of the Lord. Works. All right. Very good. <laughs> the last couple of weeks, I, as you know, I was in uh, Bolivia uh, working with the Baptist churches there, particularly with the church of Ivan Gutierrez. And he and his church certainly send their greetings. Uh, we've been with them over the years for a number of years. We've had a variety of teams that have gone down and worked with uh, Yvonne. So over some 15 years, I would imagine, we've been engaged with Yvonne and his church. It's interesting. He, um, for the last five years, he has run his church, use that language, both a Brazilian church and a Spanish church. And at the same time, he runs a coffee shop called Elite. And he gets up very early in the morning and makes his own pastries. They do Brazilian pastries, which is basically meat within a pastry. Big meat eaters, meat eaters down there, that's huge. Anyway, often when I call him on WhatsApp, his hands are full of uh, flour. And he's like this. And he says, Alan, can I call you back in a while? And he's, you know. Very cool, very interesting. His place is just down the street from the university, and it's a medical, um, mostly a medical department, and Brazilian students come to Bolivia to do their medical studies because it's quite a bit cheaper, but the program is actually very good. So then they go back to Brazil and have to fill out some, pass some exams, uh, and then they're, they're good to go. Recently, in fact, just last week, he has decided to close his coffee shop and work full-time with his church. So that's a bit, of a, a bit of an undertaking for he and his family. But that's what they're going to do. Also interesting is that the churches merge. So they sing all their songs in Portuguese, which the Brazilians know, and they do the preaching in Spanish. So that's it. So the church is mixed. And that's what you get. You get Brazilian songs with all the emotion, enthusiasm, get the preaching in Spanish. So uh, if you don't like that, you don't go there. That's what they do. But they do a good job on it. Yeah. 
Anyway, he passed, his, he passed, wanted to pass on his greetings. We hope to do another trip next year, and I'm hoping we can bring actually a team down. So uh, we're looking maybe at the end of September, beginning of October. So, uh, Leslie, if you're interested, I gotcha. Um, it will be great, you know, it'll be great. But we'll talk more about that later, but that's it. In light of all that, so traveling a bit, I thought the Psalm 24 might be a good psalm for us to look at, and I'm calling it the smile of God. Because it's interesting, it's, in spiritual reading, grace, the idea of grace is God's smile. So God smiles at us when we experience grace. And so our statement, receiving grace, giving grace, is God's smile, and hopefully we can pass a smile on to others. But in the middle of this psalm, we'll see it, there is this statement of God's provision for us, which is really God's smile. But it begins with us, interesting also, Psalm 24 is read on the first day, Sundays, every Sunday within the Jewish community, city of Toronto. Today, Jewish families in their own homes, are reading Psalm 24, this psalm. And it also sets up the mood nicely of Advent, which begins next week, so we'll see that. So the text, as we begin, it falls into three units. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all those who live in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it on the rivers. So we'll look at that in a minute. The earth is the Lord's. All the earth is the Lord's, no matter where you go. Canada, go down into the middle of the Andes in South America, doesn't matter, it's the Lord's. You go up to your cottages or wherever, that is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and all those who are on it. Every people group, every nationality, every culture, it's all the Lord's. Why? Because he is the creator. He created us, therefore we are his. That's the logic of the Psalms. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. That can be peculiar in our thinking, but in the Old Testament, millennia ago, the, the seas represented chaos. And so God forms creation out of chaos. And the seas and the rivers are a way of thinking in terms of the turbulence of the waters, the turbulence of the world. I mean, just think of our creation, right? I mean, planet Earth, <laughs> us, we are located, there's four spiral rings in the Milky Way. We are on one of them, on the outer rings, about two-thirds of the way down. That's where Earth is. And when we look up on a nice night and look at the Milky Way, we are looking into the middle of our galaxy. We are on the outside ring looking in. And so when you see that mass of stars, dust, that's us looking into the middle of the Milky Way. And the Milky Way turns, rotates. We're actually traveling at 500,000 kilometers or so an hour as a galaxy. It takes 250 million years to make one rotation. On my blog last week, I was talking about God as a patient God. 
Well, how do we know he's a patient God? Well, if he makes a universe and it takes 250 million years to make one rotation, that's pretty patient. I've got time. I'll wait for that. 250 million years later, we've made one rotation. God is a patient God. If one day is like a thousand years, that's pretty patient. And the good news then is that he is patient towards you and towards me. When we mess up, we screw up. God is a patient God. We know that. You can see it in his handiwork. So a lovely text as we begin. So we look at it a little bit more depth. No, that's at the end. I don't want that, man. What am I doing? Oh, you know what? I think I'm going the wrong way. That's it. I got a new clicker, guys, so be patient with me. No, that's not what I want. Shadow, fix it. If I keep going, will it go all the way around? Okay. Go the other way? Give me a sec. We're good, isn't it? This is a radio signal, by the way. Supposed to be better. I got a long way to go, man. Okay, there. Oh, I'm going the other way. There we go. I got it. Woo! All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not much of a techie. Cheryl has to be very patient with me. The earth belongs to God. Why? Because God is creator, right? That's what we've just said. The earth belongs to God. God is creator. It's his. And everything on it. We think our stuff is ours. Well, not really. God is the one who created it. It's, it's really his. We all belong to him. We see it in the fullness God is designer. God is the one. You know, there's an argument for design for who God is. And the idea is, if you're walking in the forest and you came across a beautiful clock and you picked up this clock and you started looking at it and you'd see its beauty, well, then you would think, well, somebody must have made this. And so there's a designer. Some designer there has designed it. So that's one of the arguments for God. If, if this world works so nicely then somebody must have put it together. And that person is God. God is the designer. So some people are not convinced of that, but that's one of the arguments for God. God designs. Our world is not just a matter of chaos or chance. God has designed it. So the earth belongs, and the fullness and abundance of God's creation is a sign of who God is for us. The world and all those who live in it. And our trip, and I, I talk about our because uh, interesting, Sharon and Nevin and Jeremy were in South America and they came up to be part of our experience for a while. And so we went down into the Chapari, which is the rainforest at the bottom of the mountain. It's about four hours. Unknown to me, the Chinese are putting in a massive new road system through here, right through the heart of the rainforest. So there's a lot of critique of this. This is not good for the forest. It is good from a transportation perspective. Unfortunately, it's just a nightmare going down there right now with the roads 
Nevertheless, I took Sharon and Nevin and Jeremy on that nightmare road. We went down there. Anyway, we're hiking through the forest. And at one point, Yvonne's son goes, oh, and he backs up. And he's saying, there's a bug there. Well, this was a bug, okay? This bug was about this long, and it looked like a mantis shrimp. <clears throat> Just looked like it was intense, man. Never seen a bug like this. I took a picture of it. I'll, I'll show it to you maybe next week. Anyway, when he saw it, he freaked right out. Boom, I don't like this bug. But as we actually got close to it, the bug was not afraid of us at all. It was right there. He's big enough. He says, I'm going to stand my ground. He's on top of a leaf, and he's just like this. Big eyes. Didn't move at all. Just looked at us. That's part of God's abundance. It's part of God's design. Just that one little creature, part of who God's of what God has created, what God has made. And we see it as divers. We see it all the time, these incredible species that exist, strange. Most people never even see them, but yet they exist. And they give praise to God. So the earth belongs to God. The abundance is a sign of who God is and what he's done. The other way. And God is the one who sustains it all. It is pretty amazing, right, that the earth is probably six billion years old, and it works. The earth works. It rotates. The seasons keep coming, right? We're moving into winter. And we can know with confidence that following winter there'll be spring. And after that there'll be summer. This is God's sustaining powers. This is how the scripture in the Old Testament looks at it. The earth belongs to God, all the abundance comes from God, and he also sustains it. He sustains the whole system. We don't have to worry about whether the spring will come, we know it will come. We don't have to worry about the earth or the sun keeps shining, we know it will. Why? Because God is the sustainer. So we take a lot of that for granted, but a couple of quotes on that. Existence in the world, that means you and me, is possible because of the existence of the world. James May, a commentator, writes. We exist because existence is possible in God's world. If the, if the planet doesn't exist, then we don't exist. You see what I mean? There are nine planets in our solar system, and the only one that is habitable is the Earth. That's it. All the rest of them are a nightmare, literally a nightmare. Chaos, Mercury, Venus, so hot we, it, we'd burn up in a second. Mars, just this red, dusty planet. This is our gift from God. Why? One of the reasons we need to take care of it. Because it's the only one we know that works. Existence in the world is possible because of the existence of the world. Another one. The world exists because the will and the work of the Lord have prevailed against the chaos of non-existence to bring forth a benevolent and life-sustaining order. That sounds like a mouthpiece, doesn't it? It's a lot. But what it means is God, we, we can count on God. He is dependable. And if he's dependable on this big order of 
maintaining the whole globe, he's dependable for you and for me. He's dependable for your concerns. Danette talked about it off the top. We have concerns. We have questions. Often related to money. We don't know where it's going to go, what's happening. But the point is, we can count on God. Dave sent out a note, Bolander, this week that, is this 115 years today, Dave? Did I hear that right? This is celebrating 115 years of this church. 115. God is dependable. He's got to be dependable or we wouldn't be here for all these years. The world exists. That's the nature of the psalmist. Not by chance, but by God's design. There's lots of people in the world who don't believe in God and who believe the world came about by chance. Now that takes faith. Wow. The only planet we know in the entire universe that works like this, and it came about by chance. I think not. I think the biblical understanding that it came about by God's design is a pretty good understanding of it. It's a gift. The whole thing is gift. The smile of God. God's grace upon your life and my life. Okay, so that's where we start, right? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and who do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. What's all that about? It's about access. It's about can we access this creator God who made us? That's what the psalmist is saying. And he's saying yes. And it happens through a fourfold sequence. It happens this way. One, a question. Who may approach this incredible God who created the entire universe? Verse 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Who shall go up the hill to Jerusalem and who shall stand in the temple of God before God? That's the first question. Can we do it? Can we have a relationship with God? This mighty God of the universe, can we actually be in relationship with him? Psalmist says we can. Who shall ascend? Who shall stand? That's the first piece, the question. Then an answer. Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. Those who have clean hands, that's actually a very unusual verse, statement. We have clean hands. We sing it, that's why we sang the song just a minute ago. We have clean hands and a pure heart. But the beauty of this is this is not some form of legalism. This is not saying, okay, I want to check your hands as you come in. How would you check if somebody's heart is pure? I mean, how would you do that? What it's showing is, is there a desire to really know God in an authentic way? Do I really want to come in and know and experience and live 
before this mighty, holy God? Do I want this? Do I seek this? Or do I seek a whole bunch of other stuff? Do I seek a lot of money? Do I seek a lot of power? Do I seek a lot of fame? What, what, whatever things, a lot of stuff. What do we seek? We're going to see more on that in a minute. So the point here is, is there an authentic desire to know God and experience God in the Old Testament and now in the New Testament? That's what about it's about. It's not about some level of legalism, all right? We can read it that way, but that's not what it's about. It's about, do you have an open heart before God? Do you live like this, or do you like, live like this? That's the fundamental question. How do I live my life? Do I know God? Do I experience God? Am I open to God? Am I aware of God? I am his created object. Do I want to know my creator? That is fundamental. You see, only you know and I know. Now, most likely you're here this morning, that's what you want. But there's lots of people in the world, that's not what they want at all. Not really. They may think about it, you know, at the time they're dying, they may think about it a bit. But by and large, they want what they want. They want a nice, comfortable existence. I want to know, have some peace, travel a little bit, have some hobbies. That's it. That's, it. that's what I want. But the fundamental question is always deeper, is deeper. Do I want to know and experience God? And we always have to ask ourselves that because we can get distracted very easily and start wanting all the other stuff, just like everybody else. So there's a question, and then there's an answer. And then there's a promise. I love this. They will receive a blessing. Blessing is baraka. I will receive a baraka, a blessing from God. You'll receive a blessing from God. In fact, your whole life is a blessing, no matter what you think of it. Fact is, you exist. You could not exist at all. Your life is a blessing. And your children, and your families, it's all blessing. And you will receive vindication, the NRSV says. Righteousness, Alin read, it said righteousness. It can be justification. It means acceptance. It's the word sedeca. I will receive righteousness from God. That means I will receive grace from God. I will receive acceptance from God. I will receive and you will receive the smile of God. That's what that verse is saying. God will bless us. Verse 5. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication or sedeca from the God of their salvation. This is what Paul picks up later on. He, Paul's a good Jew, right? Where does Paul get all the idea about justification, sanctification, he's all these big theological words? It comes right from this, this idea. God wants us so much, he will do something to ensure that you and I are with him. Sedeca, his righteousness, his gift, it's not something you earn. It's not something you work up. This is gift. It's all gift. His righteousness to you and me. Imagine righteousness from God. 
You know your life. You know your history. You know all your stuff. I know my stuff. And here we're saying God is going to give us his righteousness as gift. Woo! That means God smile for you and for me. It means when we stand before him, God will smile because we are in relationship with him. That's the bottom line. That's the fundamental line. And that is good news, is it not? Jesus comes announcing the good news. What? The kingdom of God is drawing near. It's going to now take on a whole new dynamic in Christ. But it's basically this. You see what I mean? This is gift. This is promise. Promise from God. So you and I can hold on to that one. Verse 5. And then verse 6. Another way? Yeah. A confirmation. An invitation to seek God's face. The God of Jacob. Why mention Jacob here? Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. It's because Jacob sought the face of God. Genesis 31. Jacob wrestles with God all night. I will not let you go until I receive your blessing. Jacob at Pinel. We receive God's blessing. It's a confirmation. God's righteousness for you, for me. It's confirmed. Beauty. But will we wrestle? Do you wrestle? How much do you want to know God? Would you wrestle with God all night? And then at the very end, he touches your hip and you're lame. Says, yeah, I got touched all right. Now I can hardly walk. In Bolivia for two weeks, I've had a sore back. I could hardly walk, but I was not Jacob. He touches. And so, yes, it is gift, but also we enter into this dynamic. Do we want to know God like Jacob? You see what I mean? And God will confirm this reality. So if we want to go deeper, we have to want it. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that doesn't sound like a party, does it? <laughs> work out your salvation with fear and trembling. All right, what do I got to fear? What do I have to tremble about? Work it out. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling doesn't mean it's going to be easy at all the times. Jacob had to wrestle all night. So there's going to be wrestling. There's going to be hardships. There are going to be challenges. Inevitable. Inevitable. Life on this planet is hard in its own way. A Bolivian parable says that every day is a fight with the tiger. <laughs> That's how they look at life. Every day is fighting the tiger. Means it's a challenge. But as we do that, we know God's confirmation. We receive his righteousness, but you know, it's how much also we want to know him and experience him. So that's where the psalmist ends. Jacob did it. 
We can do it. He was no more than we are, just a guy, just a man. We can hunger after God too. And then it ends with, thanks, man. I've got to put a big yellow dot on this, I think. Ends with worship. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Repeats it. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Note there are two names for God here. Who is the King of glory? Second, the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. King of glory, also very unusual word, phrase. So where does it all lead? It, it all leads to praise. And here we actually have two choirs singing antiphonally back and forth. So this is going into the temple. This is how it would go. One choir sings, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. The second choir says, who is the king of glory? First choir responds, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Again, lift up your hands or heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Second, who is this king of glory? Then they both say, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. So this is a worship statement. This is an adoration statement. This is an invitation for us to give praise to God and know him and love him and worship him. Not because God wants that, because he's a big shot. That's not the point. The point is we enter into a dynamic of relationship with him. He is creator. We are creature. It makes sense to give him our praise. The earth is from him. You are from him. We are dust, really. We give our praise to God. That's the whole point. So will we worship him? You see what I mean? Experience him. Enter our whole persons in God. Not just our minds. Our whole person. Our whole experience. Lift up your heads, O gates. It's a form of personification, right? We're asking these structures to give praise to God. Will we praise God? Will we worship him? Will we worship him as our king of glory and lord of hosts? Lord of hosts could be a reference to the stars, to the incredible multiplicity of stars out there, billions of them. This is the lord of hosts. We don't know, right? All of what we see at night, or if we're out there, all what we know, it could, all, it could all just be for God's glory. We imagine that there are all kinds of you know, species out there and other habitable planets and civilizations. There may be, but there may not be. We're the only ones. The whole thing could be just for God's glory, period. And for us to see and worship him. Here we are on this little ball swinging around the Milky Way on the fourth ring of the spiral galaxy, giving praise to God. Wow, if that's the case, <laughs> we want to be praising him. 
So number one, it's an argument from design. We've already said that. It's, the world is designed, we give him praise as our designer. Secondly, our God is a God who comes to us. We did a whole series on this last year. God is a God who comes towards us. God takes the initiative. He's always coming towards us. Jesus is always coming towards us. The issue is, will we see him? Will we perceive him? Will we recognize him in your day-to-day, -day, your everyday? Will you recognize Jesus coming to you? Sometimes it's a bold statement. Sometimes it's very sensitive. I read a piece from James Houston this week. James Houston was the founder of Regent College, okay? He had a very good gig in London teaching at Oxford University for years. He was a prof at Oxford. One night, he's now 100 years old and he's still writing, okay, in Vancouver. One night, he wakes up to this ball of light. This is a prof from Oxford, okay? Teaches geography. He wakes up one night to this ball of light, shining. He recognizes in this, this is a message from God. Just like Paul, <laughs> light from the heavens. That's how James Houston understood this. He was not some charismatic, he was brethren. He sees this ball of light. He says he didn't understand what that meant for six years. And then finally, a few friends approached him about starting this school in Vancouver with a different model. A model where people would come out of their professions for one year to study deeply the scriptures and then go back into their field. That was the whole model. James Houston said, okay. To do that, he had to leave his comfy job at the Oxford University and all the prestige and money to start this little school. Beth and I were out there just a couple of years after starting it. It was just a little, at that point, it was like a, just a house, basically. God is the God who comes to us. Now that's pretty unusual. Balls of light don't appear all the time. But you know, sometimes they do. Sometimes voices. Sometimes unusual things. But more often than not, not. But God does come. What does John say in, in Revelation? He says... Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus is saying, I'm knocking at the door. He's knocking at the door of your heart. My heart. So will we listen, right? God is a God who comes towards us. And finally, that presages Advent. We begin Advent next week. Heaven is all about God coming towards us. And now he comes to us actually in a child, a baby named Jesus.
Who is the revelation of God? God takes it even deeper. He's saying, if you will not believe me, I will, I will send my son to you. I will send a little baby to you who will grow up and say, the kingdom of God is here and near. So that is something deeper and deeper. The hidden Christ. The hidden Christ. I like that wood engraving by Eichenberg. We've, we've used it before where the homeless are in line waiting for their soup, their bowl of soup. And in the middle of the line is Jesus. Waiting for his bowl. So will we recognize Jesus in our midst? Advent is all about that. God coming to us in the incarnation. And may we say yes. May we give our yes to him. Recognize that it is all gift. No matter what is going on in your life, we can leave this place with a smile. Because God is on your side. He will help you. Keep looking to him. He promises that. So may we hear, may we say yes, in Jesus' name, amen.